Well, we're going to continue the theme, I am, this morning. Jesus is the great I am. And so glad that um, we had a youth on, on Friday. We had around 17 people with our leaders. We had 20 people, and it was just a great time. We missed some of you. I'm not looking to the left at all, but we, we missed some of you over here. And we're just so glad that, that, that God is, is touching our youth, and we were able to be here and, and, and worship um, in, the, in the sanctuary. And we just had some great things going on this weekend, and we're so glad that you're all here. But Jesus is the great I am. We don't want to lose sight of that, right? He is our peace. He is our rest. He is our shepherd. And today we're going to talk about hope. He is our hope, right? This message I entitled, I am hope. Now, we are nine days, I think it is, if I count it right, from this presidential election day. And people are scared. People are very confused what's happening out there. And, and I believe we're living in a world with very little hope for a lot of people. And too often, they're placing their hope in man. And placing their hope in politics. And placing their hope in things that are just filled with lies and propaganda, right? But God... But God doesn't lie. Amen. His words are truthful. His words are reliable. And not just sometimes, all the time, every time. Amen. We can count on him. And regardless of what you're going through um, and living through, he has plans for us. And those plans are good. Yes. Those plans are good, right? They're good. He has a great future for us as well. And we can hold on to that. In fact, Jeremiah verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I set you apart. And so God designed you on purpose and with purpose, right? And he has set us apart uh, to do his work, right? Set us apart for good, to do his work. Even before we were a twinkle in daddy's eye or mommy's eye or a parent's eye, right? Regardless of what you're going through, the Lord has good plans for you. But we also know that sin entered the world and, and our sin nature, we, we go astray. Because of sin, we go astray. Because of sin, we struggle in life. And we also just know that sin abounds out there. And, and sin, sin separates us. And we, and, we're, and we get punished sometimes for, for certain things that take place. But it separates us from a holy God. And then eventually, a judgment follows. But we, we, before we get too excited about uh, God's good plans, uh, we need to also understand that what's happening in the Scripture uh, because of sin and because of the sinful world that we live in, we will go through trials. We will go through a season of testing and hard times. You need to understand that. But he's going to reveal those plans to us and through us, even while we're going through those plans. And I believe those plans are good. Amen. They're good. So even though we go through trials and tribulations, there is hope. And our hope is in the Lord. The hope is in the great I am now, when believers speak about hope, we don't mean desire that may or may not be fulfilled. Jesus is our hope, and Jesus will fulfill all his promises, right? Every one of them, we can have confidence that he will do what he says he's going to do, right? He's going to do what he says he's going to do. Jesus is our hope, and this is certain, and we have a hope for a future, and we have a hope in Jesus, and Jesus will save us. That he will forgive us, right? That he has good plans for us. And that he will give us eternal life. His word also says that he's going to come back for us one day. And one day soon. And I have confidence in that. That soon and very soon he's coming back. But regardless of what you see right now with your eyes. Regardless of what you see right now happening in history. Regardless of what's going on in your life. He is the great I am. He is a holy God. He is a good God. He is a just 
God. Amen. And He is our hope. And He's the only hope for this world. And they're dying and they're, and they're seeking so many other things. But He is our only hope. And so today we're going to speak about hope. So we're going to go into the book of Jeremiah 29, verse 10. And again, before you get too comfortable, let's just stand one more time before we get to the end of the service. Uh, and it should be one more time. But hey, you never know that you might just stand up in the middle of a, in the middle of a, 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 a praise and worship and preaching and just give God glory. I mean, you don't know what might happen because we are Pentecostal, right? And so we are allowed to make a joyful noise unto God. And so there are amens and there are hallelujah and there are good times and bad times that we face. But we know that he is our hope. So Jeremiah 29 verse beginning at verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me. Call upon me. Then you will call upon me and come and, and, and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, right? I will be found, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Mm. Let's pray. Father God, you are our hope. You are our hope. I am hope. You are our hope. You are the great hope for this world. We seek you, God. We pray to you, O oh God. We, we look to you, O oh God, to continue to do the great work that you're doing in us and through us. We want to give you all the glory and honor. Bless these words now. Open our hearts to receive. Anoint these lips, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I love this. For I have plans for you. For you, for me, declares the Lord. Oh, when he declares something over you, you better start listening, right? He declares this over you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a bright future. I believe these words. How about you? It's definitely, how about you, church? Do you believe these words? Oh, I don't know if you're sleeping or what today, but I know I, I'm tired. I just stayed up late last night. There's a lot of things going on. We had a great weekend here, but, but we got to stay on fire for the Lord, for the things of the Lord. He has a plan for us, definitely. These verses are verses of hope. But often we hold on to some of these promises that some promises that we hold on to are simply not true or we get them out of context and we don't really understand what's happening here. And most people don't ever speak about the other parts of this chapter that's very important. And like I say, the rest of the story needs to come out. And I fully believe that he has plans for us and they are good plans. And he always has our best interest. The Lord always has our best interest in heart, right? And we should hold on to these verses. However, we need to understand uh, who this was initially written to and what was happening at that time to give us a greater understanding of what's happening in these verses so that we understand what was happening in the first place. And it was given to people of Israel during a time that they were in captivity. And they were exiled and they were removed from their homes and they were living now in Babylon. Right in Babylon, exile to Babylon. And the promises of the Lord was that I will not forget them. And I have plans for them. And I'm going to, and they're good plans. And I'm going to bring them back home. But obviously, it doesn't mean that all's going to be well immediately and always, um, that it's going to be smooth and everything's going to go their way at all times. Now, often prosperity teaches. 
kind of teach this that, um, and they put that everything's going to be fine. You name it and claim it. Just preach it and and tell people to name it and claim it. And they think the Lord is like Amazon. You make your call and you get the package the next night. No, it, it doesn't really happen that way, does it? Right? Um, yeah, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, and sometimes, you know, these faith these faith people um, or prosperity teachers are going to say, well, you didn't have enough faith, right? You just didn't have enough faith, right? You 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 didn't quote the scriptures. Um, rightly, in fact, you didn't quote them in the right order. You see, if we if we can kind of collectively uh, string these scriptures together, we'll get what we want, and the gifts will come in the mail. Uh, we cannot force God into compliance through prayer or stringing crafty with our wisdom words together and just chant them. I'm, I want the caddy. I want the caddy. I want the caddy. Amen. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way, right? And by the way, I had a caddy one day, and I thought it was all cool. It really was a beautiful caddy. You know, I would just digress for a second and say I used to drive other cars. And I was like, it's a car. It's no big deal. Until I got a caddy, I was like, no, it, it is a caddy. But I did give it up, and I'm back to my burgundy caravan. And I actually sold it to get a, a, the black a Toyota van that we have because I was driving the caddy, and she was driving something else. And I was like, mm, I just can't do that anymore, you know. So I did give it up. But I'll show you a picture one day. It was, it was a caddy. You know, it, it was beautiful. But I digress, all right? I, I digress. Prosperity teachers are saying, name it and claim it. Put it on your refrigerator. Wake up every morning and just say it, and you will eventually get it. I understand why they're doing it. I understand why they're doing it. But we cannot force God into compliance. It doesn't work that way. God hears our sincere plans. In referencing to God, he hears our sin, sin, sincere prayer, right? He doesn't always... He doesn't always um, give us what we want and praise God for that, right? Because we don't always know what we really want. What, what he has for us is always best for us. And he answers our prayers according to his good and perfect will. If he delays it or he denies it, there's a reason. Because he has something better for us, church. He has something better for us. Or he still says there's something that you need to, to learn in this, right? You haven't learned it yet or you haven't yielded to it yet. So don't give up praying. Don't give up hope. Don't give up looking towards Jesus Christ as your hope, right? Don't do that, right? Don't stop listening to his voice and his words. Now, we know the people sinned against God and they were being pushed, uh, punished for their sins. Your sins will find you out. Now, you might, they might not find you out on earth because there are sin secrets. There are secret sins, right? And so you might die with that secret sin. And no one else will know, but Jesus knows it. Because he knows all things. He sees all things. And you cannot run far enough from him. He will see you. He will find you out. And there are always consequences to our sins, right? There are always consequences. And these people, the Israelites, they were punished, right? And they were exiled for their sins. And judgment came along the way. And they were going to remain in exile, the Bible says, 70 years. Now, some prophets were saying, hey, listen, everything's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Everything's okay. You know, okay, 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 right? We need to be careful who we listen to. And we need to be careful who's telling you what these days. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is not in man. The first thing we're going to talk about, Jesus is our hope. You can write that down. Jesus is our hope. And while science and nature and man gives us some hope, it gives us some hope, ultimately our hope is in the Lord. And more than any of those things, or, any, or, or anything, right? And when we place a focus and trust on those things, on man, on, on those things, and we, in a way, reduce Jesus and we elevate man in those things above, uh, in, in our life, and, we, and, and, and above what's supposed to be, and this idolatry, 
and it's sinful, it's wrong. Now these prophets were saying everything was okay. And they were saying to those in exile that this is just going to be a short season. Hey, you'll get by, it's going to be a short season. You, we'll, you'll soon be back in, 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 in Jerusalem. It's going to be fine. No, it was a lie. It was a lie. It was not truthful. They, they weren't telling the truth and they were not speaking properly and they were not speaking on God's behalf. And so many ministers and leaders and prophets and teachers or people want to tell you what you want to hear. And then they tell you maybe a half-truth or a half, half a story. And they might say, hey, it's all going to be okay. It all will be good. And some built their, their mega churches on just saying that. Jesus is telling them, hey, if, feel good stories. And, and they just leave out the cross. And they leave out, you know, the, 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 what's happening. And, and they just want to just say, yeah, 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 it's all good. I understand why they do that. Because, you know, this world is filled with so many bad things. And we're all faced, we all have been affected this year greatly. And so sometimes we just need a great word of hope. And I get that. I get that. Right? But the prophets, they weren't hearing from God. These prophets were not hearing from God. They were telling their lies and giving out false hope. Our hope is in the Lord, not man or not anything else. But the true prophet of God represents or is a spokesperson for God. Spokesperson for God. They're bringing God's message, God's word, from God to us. And God just doesn't tell us that everything's just going to be okay in the world or in our life at this very moment. Not always. And that type of thinking very often gets people in trouble because when they hear, when they, when they face certain things, they're like, where is God? What happened to the promises of God? Why, why am I going through these struggles? Why, why, you know, what's happening here? And they, and they, and they thought, hey, listen, I, I was trusting God and I was turning to God. Uh, I thought that meant everything was going to be okay and it was going to be a rose garden. And, and as people say, you know, grab roses too hard and you get pinched because there are thorns in it, right? It's not always perfect. People, people want immediate answers. People want immediate gratification. They don't want to wait upon the Lord. They don't want to wait for His timing. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful of what they're telling you. Many mean well, but many are also just simply deceivers. And when the word of the Lord is given through preaching or through a prophetic message, you need to pause. You need to reflect on it. Because not all the time, not all the time when someone says, thus saith the Lord, is it a true message from the Lord. Amen. And so we need to stare and compare to God's scripture, those words. And be a good Berean and say, what was said? And receive that word with eagerness. And receive it with eagerness, but examine the scriptures for its truthfulness. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you from, from, from your heart, spirit to spirit. And illuminate your heart and your mind and say, Lord, is this, is this really a word from you? Does it line up with scripture? We should always confirm the prophetic word through scripture, through people. And simply ask the Lord, speak to my heart. Now throughout my life, and probably yours as well, but definitely throughout my life, we've been given a word to me, to my family, and sometimes people mean well, but what they're saying is simply not a word from God. For example, when I, I was working at the same firm for 27 years, and it came to an end, and several years back, and we went to church that very next Sunday, and it wasn't this church, by the way, uh, but we asked the church to pray, and we were telling people, we were openly, what happened? We were searching for God's word and for God's direction, and a saint came up to us that first Sunday to me, and, and meant well, and said, if you were just tithing, you wouldn't have lost your job. 
If you were just a tithe, if you just understood tithing, you would not lose your job. And she went on to give me a word and indicated that my failure, what my failure was and all that stuff. And I just simply thanked her, showed her some love. And it was in the middle of a service, no less. It was supposed to be a hello, a greeting, an encouragement. Oh, it was an encouragement. Thus saith the Lord, you're not tithing. Um, and his words were just not, her words were not from God. And honestly, let me just say this, that no income there's really no tithe, is there, right? There's no income. There's nothing to give out, right? There was no increase. Therefore, there's really no tithe. Uh, and she just Now, if she would have said to me, trust the Lord, continue to be generous, continue to be faithful steward of God, continue to follow his steps, continue to pray. He'll lead you in the next step. Or better yet, how can I pray for you? And, and how can we help you during this very difficult time of your life with living in New Jersey with one salary, oh, no salary now, and, and four kids and a wife and a house, right? I could have totally agreed with that and, and would receive that. Because even if you're poor and impoverished and have a few dollars in your pocket, even if you just don't have any really personal belongings or wealth. You can always be generous. You can always be kind. You can always be thoughtful, right? You can always speak life into other people, right? And give a good word unto other people. If you only had two pairs of socks and your neighbor has none, then you are rich compared to your neighbor, right? And so maybe God would say to you, give that extra pair to your neighbor as the Lord leads you. I'm not saying you have to, but as the Lord leads you, right? We have to be generous. We have to be generous. And let me tell you, I've dealt with this since I was a kid. And we've seen miracles and miracles and miracles. And I've been tithing since I was a little kid. And then scripture reveals itself to us. And over and over again, God has been so faithful as we've been faithful stewards, right? And God has been extremely faithful and extremely generous to myself and my family all the way, way back. And, and we have generations of generations and generations of family who are clergy and ministers and ministers and, and just loving the Lord. And we've been teaching the tithe growing up doing this, right? And I believe in the tithe, but I believe more importantly on being generous, a generous heart, a sacrificial heart. I believe in sacrificial giving. Why is that? Well, I believe the tithe is not really the floor, but the ceiling. And I believe that you can never outgive God. I believe that a great place to start is start with the tithe. And it's about sowing and, and, and reaping principles. Amen. But it's not where you stop giving. It's where you start giving, I believe. Yeah. That's right. Reaping principles. Amen. A giving of the 10%. But I believe that's not even just an Old Testament principle. I do believe it's a New Testament principle in a sense as well. And I believe it just really never was taking off the table. But I am a, a person that believes in generosity. Now most of us know Malachi 3, 8, 9, and 10. And it refers to both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And by the way, it says bring the whole tithe into God's storehouse or else you're robbing God. Many are robbing God. Many are robbing God in tithes and offerings, Amen. robbing God in this way in their behavior, robbing God in their gifts and their abilities. And when God, when you follow God's teaching, you will be blessed beyond measure, beyond really your understanding. You're incapable of really understanding the blessings of God that will follow. And, and it says that heaven's floodgates will open up upon you. And his words say, test me in this church, test me in this. And it comes back to you in many, many different ways and many, many different forms that you can't even comprehend what it is. You don't even understand how those blessings come back to you in so many ways. I believe offering is above and beyond the tithe. I believe mission given is not a tithe either of 10%. I believe mission given is above and beyond the tithe as well. Amen. And it really should come after the tithe. But I, I want to stress generous giving. It should be done sacrificially. 
It should be done cheerfully unto God. And God who sees all things and knows all things. And, and God does not change. And God's word doesn't lie. And he says, trust me in this. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's saying, trust me in this. I will bless you in so many ways. And I believe that. That I can trust him today. I can trust him tomorrow. I can trust him in my future. To my future, right? We also know Proverbs 3, 8, 9, and 10. So Malachi 3. Now you got Proverbs 3, 8, 9, and 10. Honor God. With what? With your wealth. With your first fruits of your crop. And it even tells you why. So your barns and your vats will be filled to overflowing. And I believe we trust the Lord with our wealth. With our family. With our children. With our resources. With our gifts. With our abilities. Why? Because it all comes from Him. Don't let pride get in the way. It all comes from you. From Him. And we can trust, trust Him today with all of that. Now while I'm on this topic, let me just be here just a little bit longer. Relax, don't worry, we, work. We, we don't take offering anymore in here. You give in the basket, you don't. So I used to say, I used to preach after the offering, so I'm not, so no one can say, well, you're trying to manipulate us to give. No, I'm just trying to teach a good word, but since we're not collecting offering anymore, it's just free will giving, we have the boxes and stuff like that. I, I can't really say that anymore, but I used to purposely say that because I never want to manipulate anyone to give. If we don't operate in faith, it's sin. So we never want to try to push or press or tell anyone to give when they, when, they don't want to, when they don't want to give, right? But Abraham gave a tenth. He gave a tenth of his spoils to make Melchizedek, the king of Salem and the priest of the Most High. And this was a hundred, hundreds of years before the, the, the law of Moses was ever given. And so we see this idea, this principle of generous giving. Generous giving leads to generous living. Generous giving is long before any talk about a tithing. So Abraham simply had this... It's modeled for us just this, this idea of just being generous, right? It was an attitude of generosity, not a law, not an obligation, right? But free will dedicated it unto God. And so you don't get, I don't come around just to beat people over the head with this. This is principles of sowing, principles of reaping, principles of being generous all throughout the Bible. And so regardless of how you see the tithe or, or not, or you believe it's, Old Testament, not New Testament. The principle of generosity is so clear in Scripture. And so giving back a portion uh, to God of what we have already received is ready, very, very clear in Scripture. And by the way, um, I think this is very abstract, but let me just say this also. I believe in, it started already in the Garden of Eden when he said, don't eat of this tree. Set it apart, right? Um, set it apart. Trust me in this. Obey me in this, right? And you will live. And do it your own way, and you sin. You're disobedient, and you sin, and you might die, and, and decay, and, and, and death is in our future. See, there's always consequences to sin. There's always separation from God. And so we are to serve, uh, we're to serve God with our everything. And we serve a generous God. He's a generous God. And he wants to give us life. He wants to give us abundant life. He wants to bless our life. And that blessing comes in so many different ways, especially spiritual blessings, which you cannot put a price on. And you, you can't even comprehend what a spiritual blessing is. His plans for us are good. He has good plans for us, amen? He, and he wants to give us a bright future, amen? And so people fight about these things and trusting and obeying God, right? Tithing or giving, Old Testament or New Testament. So often we can get just stuck in legalism and law, and it leads to separation and in many ways destruction. God's ways always make the most sense. But even if they don't make the most sense at that moment, 
they will eventually make the most sense. That's just the way it goes. Follow him, believe him, trust him. His ways are always greater than our ways. Amen. Amen. God wants us to be generous people in our life because we serve a generous God in this life as well. So New Testament Christians, right? Less is not required of us. Less is not required of us because we have so much more. We know so much more. We have the Bible. We have God's words to us. We have the Holy Spirit who dwells with us, who's in us, right? And so we have so much more than the Old Testament saints. And so therefore, so much more is required of us. And so many Christians want to do things their own way. They, they basically are not trusting God with their everything. They don't trust his church. They don't trust his ways. They don't trust his methods. And I get that because men are corrupt, but God is not. And God's ways are, are always good for us. And so we have to bring in the whole, the whole tithe, not half or a part. And people give their bare minimums. They give their check. They give their dollar. Now listen, the dollar amount is not what I'm talking about when I say they give their dollar. That's not what I mean. Right? If you have a dollar and you, and you, just, and you gave it, Lord bless you for it when you do it with your, with your, with, with cheerfully and sacrificially. But so many people check it off their list. I've done well. I met my quota. I, I, did it, I did it right, right? It's not always the case. It's not always the case. It's a wrong way of thinking of God. It's a wrong way of thinking of blessing. We ought to bless the Lord at all times. And we serve Him. And we bless Him. Being a cheerful giver and a godly steward goes beyond the minimum. Let me explain that real fast. I want to jot this down. Luke 12, verse 48 reminds us, for everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from, one, from the one who has entrust, been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And so we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? That's right. And 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each one should, be, should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. This goes beyond finances, right? This goes beyond it, right? And when you give and you respond to the Lord's teaching rightly and favorably, you will be blessed. And his word says, test me in this. He says, test me in this. And you will see his promises are true, right? They're all true, each one of them, as we give and as we live accordingly to his scriptures. It's not a set amount, church. It's not a set amount. Nor is it the same amount of work. We have to understand that too. Because we're all blessed at different measures. So we're all to do things at different measures. Don't look to your left. Don't look at to your right. Don't look at what your friend's doing or not friend. You have been blessed with a different measure. And so that is what I'm talking about. As God has freely blessed you, freely bless others. But some will tell you that tithe is not for today or it's not scriptural. It's, not, it's only Old Testament. Whatever. I, you know, I personally disagree with that. But that's fine. I don't need to split hairs over that. I would say grace is required in all of this. In so many problems that we have in the church, we lost grace. We forgot about grace. We don't, we don't really understand grace. But I would say grace demands more from us, not less from us, right? And so New Testament thinking is not less. It's more. Jesus raises the bar, always. He always seems to raise the bar, right? He raises the bar. He doesn't lessen the bar. He raises the bar, right? More, more from us, uh, in, in areas of our life, more of giving, more of working, more of serving, more of ministering, right? More of loving, more of compassion, right? We, we need to raise the bar in all of these areas, not be complacent and lazy and silent in these areas. More of God, not less. Not because we have to. 
but because we want to, because we get to, because grace abounds so much more in the New Testament. It should motivate us to want to do so much more. That's the point. Generous giving, generous living is way beyond finances. And so some will give you a word that seems to be sound, but it's not. And some put constraints on us or add rules to us. It says, oh, you must be circumcised for Christianity. And they add all these other rules that you must do this. Otherwise, we cannot fellowship with you. And some prophets spoke the word. And they'll speak the word over you. And they'll speak the word to you. But God didn't approve of those words. So be careful of who you listen to. Be careful of those words. And when you get them, stare and compare at it to Scripture. Ask God to open up your eyes. In Jeremiah 29, verse 21, this is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel. He talks about Ahab and Zechariah and the prophesying lies in my name. And I will hand them over to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And he will put them to death before your very eyes. And you're welcome to say those words up there. I'm not even, I'm not, if they're not there, I don't know what's going on. But, but, but I will tell you there, like, anyway. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, says that he's going to put the prophet to death. He's going to put them to death. Wow. God is not pleased with those prophets. He says those prophets are lying. They're lying. And these specific ones that he's talking about, he says, they're going to be put to death. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, will put them to death. And the Lord's going to judge them. And some will see them happening. Some will see this happening. Some will see judgment happening sooner than later. And now we can hold on to every promise that God has. I believe that every one of them are true. Every one of them that he speaks over you is going to happen. As you, and they will come to be as you remain faithful to remain faithful. That's key. Remain obedient. Remain faithful. Right? That is so key. The Israelites were uh, exiled. And many of them had to leave their home. Right? You have to understand, prisoners of war, they had to leave their home and their land. And so the promises right here were given really for the next generation. Not necessarily for them. 70 years is a long time. I'm 50-something right now, so 70 years puts me over, over 100. I'm 54. My wife reminded me that yesterday, I think it was. I can't remember. No, I'm only kidding. And the Lord, the Lord was telling them, I didn't forget you. I didn't forget you. I didn't forget you. I didn't abandon you. I love you. Right? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. He's going to bless you. And he loves you, right? I will bring you back home, he's telling them. But it's going to be 70 years. You will go through a season of hard times. You will go through exile. You will go through some pain and suffering. But I love you. I care about you. But 70 years are coming your way. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord's saying. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon... Build your houses, settle down, plant your gardens, eat the produce, marry and have sons and daughters, right? Find wives for you, for your sons and, your, and give your daughters in marriage so they, they too may have sons and daughters, right? Increase in the numbers, do not decrease and seek the peace. Listen to this, seek number seven, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray, pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you will prosper too. 
Yes, this is what the, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners right among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams. That the, to, do not listen to the dreams you, in fact, encourage them to have. So, so sometimes we lean on the prophets. Give us more. Give us more. Give us more. And then they give us more. And sometimes they're giving it from themselves. And they're giving you a word that's not from God because they get caught up in their position or their power or whatever it is. And they're giving you more and giving you more to, to, to help you. Okay, I got it now. No, it was a lie. It was a lie. And this is in the, they are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will, come, I, will, I will come to you. I will come to you. Fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. So he's saying, listen, live in your exile. Oh, you got to get that. Mm -hmm. Live in that pain. Live in that time of suffering, right? Live during that hardship. Live while, while we're going through a COVID pandemic. Live while we don't have the, the president that we might want. Live while, while we're going through some of these hard times, right? Plant and build and marry and seek peace and seek prosperity for the city. Trust me in this process uh, because it's less about material prosperity and more about spiritual prosperity and spiritual maturity. That's a good word, I think. Yes. Got to live through our, our hard times. So it's, it's very easy to forget God when you're going through hard times. Someone kicks you in the shin and you're hurting in pain. You start focusing on the pain. We had to focus on God. I get there's real pain. There's real hurt, church. I'm saying fix your eyes and gaze on Jesus Christ, on him alone. So many people stop believing in the promises of God. Maybe you pray and you're like, he doesn't answer anymore. He doesn't hear me anymore. I, I've been, I, he doesn't care about me anymore. He doesn't love me anymore. Oh, I don't even think he's powerful enough to do this anymore. He can't fix this. It's too big. He didn't see it coming. He's like, oops, that one got away from me. No, that's a lie from Satan himself. Amen. There's no oops here. He knows who's the next president. He knows when there's going to be a cure. And he can cure it any second he wants to. But there's things that we have to live through in your exile, in your pain, in your going, in your coming. Trust me, I am your hope. Woo! Amen. He hears you. He cares for you. He loves you. And he's the most powerful being ever. The creator of the world, right? He can meet every one of your needs and he can give you the increase that you need. Jeremiah says, the Lord has good plans for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you, right? Plans to give you a bright future, a bright hope. A hope in, a hope in me, not just hope in hope. A hope in Jesus Christ. It's not just a hope in hope. It's a hope in Jesus Christ. But do you believe that? Do you receive that word? Do you believe it? Do you trust him and will you wait on him? So many people quit right before the blessing comes. Oh, they walk out right before the blessing comes, right before the increase comes, right? They jump ahead of God's timing. And they try to make it happen on their own. And they go ahead of God, right? Pride, selfish ambition. They want to do it their way, right? And they mess things up. And they cause division. And they delay that blessing that was coming. Or they simply miss Jesus in the whole entire process. But we can have a hope in the Lord. While we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. 
while we're going through hard times, while we're walking through the valley of the shadow of Corona, a shadow. Our hope is in the Lord. Jesus is our hope. And all of his promises are true, yea and amen, every one of them. And we ought to be looking to God. And we should be saying, what good can come out of these situations when we're going through these hard times? The other night, a friend of mine asked me, what, why is this happening, Pastor? Why is this happening? And honestly, I don't ask that question very often. I, I don't. If it is the Lord's will, then he has good reasons for it. And I just kind of roll with it and go with the punches. That's just my personality. But I do ask some questions. That's so why I might say, um, what do you want from me or us to learn from this situation? What do you need me or us to change or to fix or, or to do or to focus on the next few days or weeks or months ahead? What, what would you like us to do, me to do, right? Personalize it. I think about me, I think about my family, and I think about this church. And each one of them might have a different focus, right? A different season. There's always lessons to be learned, right? Always. I want to willingly go to my knees before I'm forced to my knees. I don't want to cry out to God only when I have a problem. I don't want to cry out to God only when things are going wrong. I don't want to cry out to God only when it's sick, when someone's sick or someone hurting or someone is dying. And by the way, when you're part of the church, the, the true church, the community of believers, we can help each other navigate through life's hard, hard times and crises. But you have to let other people in and stop pushing people away. Another way of doing it is get into this book and read it. Another way of doing it is reading other people's books. And we have an author here, Evelyn, right, who wrote several books. And, and I want to mention two of them real quick. Lessons I Learned from the Lord. And her latest book just came out, A Lifetime of Love, Evelyn Lang, right there. If you don't know her, say hello to her, right? Pick up your copies online and support her and support these books. And get into people's hands. Christmas and Thanksgiving are right around the corner. These are great times to get this lifetime of love out there. And I would say that, lifetime of love first. Get it out there because it's a new release. And we need to get that out there in the people's hands for Thanksgiving and Christmas and start the new year with more love. Hey, we need more love. Oh, you're not excited enough about today, but that's okay. We need more love. Just, just that's it. We need more love, right? Um, just take a moment throughout this week and ask yourself, am I desperate for God? Am I desperate for God? Am I desperate for God? Right? In good seasons or bad seasons, am I desperate for God? And when you think about your own personal life patterns, like we all have rhythms in life. We, we don't really, no one really teaches this very often, but we have rhythms in our life. Some wake up in the morning and they're better in the morning. Some are better at night. So there's rhythm to your life, patterns to, you, to your life. And if you stop, you'll see it. And I just ask you, are you crying out to God only in the bad times? Is that a pattern for you? Only in the bad times, right? Only when you need a favor. Hey, Lord, can I, you know, I need a favor, bro. The big man upstairs, bro. What is that? He's, he's not your bro. He's the king of kings and the one of lords. He's God Almighty. Stop treating him like just a man that's powerless. No, he's the son of the living God. God, God and Jesus is one. Right? They're the same. They're powerful. Jesus is God. I think most people only do it. Well, very often. When they're in a jam, the world is in a jam. Do me a favor. We're supposed to see God in all seasons. All seasons. Right. And Jesus loves us in all seasons. Amen. 
Jesus is with us in all seasons, right? He is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Our hope is in the Lord. Now, let me just tell you something quickly about faith. Faith is believing in, in what, I, what I see at the moment. It's not what I see at the moment, right? But what I know to be true. It's what I know to be true. And I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture verses here, so just jot them down as we go along for this back half of this message. Um, we're probably more than half done, but let me just say that. Uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, 23, 24, and 25. We, we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, this hope we, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what has already been seen, right? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, which is the great faith chapter, chapter 11. Now faith is being sure of what, uh, hopeful and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were, commend the ancients were commended for. You see, if you see it, are you really walking and operating in faith? Faith is in believing in someone or something, right? Even if you can't see it, even if you can't prove it, even if you can't say, I, I see it tangibly, so I can't say, oh, it's real or not, right? And while we can't put God in a box and we can't scientifically recreate him, he's real and he exists. And I believe in him and I trust him and I am purposefully placing my trust and future in the hands of the great I am. Bible says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come. And if you were here on Friday, Jonathan did a great job in bringing the word. He talked about the Alpha and Omega and he gave us some Greek. And man, the kid blows my mind off that, right? But let me tell you something, we had a really nice, beautiful youth night. Thank you, Jonathan and, and, those, and uh, Brandon and everyone else that was part of helping and my girls with worship and singing. I think it was a, a wonderful night. Um, but there's none like God. Amen. And scientifically, we might not be able to prove him, and yet he is. And we believe in him by faith. Yes. Hebrews 11, verse 3, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command, not because the scientists say this or that, because God said it. And so what is seen was not made out of what is invisible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did, right? By faith, he was commended as righteous man when God spoke well of the offering. And by faith, he speaks even though he is dead. And by faith, Enoch, right, was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away before before he was even he was taken he was commanded commended as one who pleased God and without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him and believes right he exists that he will be rewarded for those who earnestly seek him there's something about seeking God earnestly there's something about being desperate for God, we got to be desperate for God, church. Seek Him with your everything. Are you desperate for God? We need to be desperate for God because He is our hope. He is our only hope. And Jesus is also our living hope. Amen. He's our living hope. Then you will call upon me. Come and pray. I will listen. You will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, when you call out to Him, He's going to hear you. He cares about you. He loves you. Jeremiah, that's Jeremiah 29, 12, for those who are taking notes. God gives us a measure of faith. It's a gift from God. And when we operate in faith, we please God. We please God. 1 Peter chapter 1, 8 and 9 says, Though you have seen, I have not seen him, 
You love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation, the saving, the salvation of your, of your soul. And verse 3 and 5 says, Praise be to God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy has given you new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. That's a mouthful. But go read it again. We have a living hope in Christ Jesus, the resurrected one, to those who place their trust in God through Jesus Christ will be saved. And that gives us hope. We have a living hope. It gives us hope for a better today. It gives us hope for a better tomorrow. Hebrews 10, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises is faithful. Philippians 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. We have a hope in Jesus. He will do what he says he's going to do. His promises are true. Every one of them, like I said, yay and amen. Every one of them are going to come to pass. His plans for you are good. His future for you is good. He has clarity in mind when he thinks about you. And he has plans for you and he has a purpose for you. Every one of you, even you, Matthew, every one of you. And my other Matthew over there, every one of you. He has plans for you and they're good. And we can place our hope and trust in him. Yes. Right, Ray? Yes. Right, Kelly? That's right. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for us. Right. Amen. Amen. That doesn't mean we're not going to have trials or troubles or tribulations. They're going to come. And many of you might be living through some of them right now. But our trust and our focus and our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our living hope. We know, we know that the Israelites suffered and they were in exile. We know that most of the apostles were killed. I believe all of them but one. I'd have to ask my scholar over here. All of them but one. And the church was scattered. And the church was persecuted. And today we know that lawlessness and evil has been released through all countries and really the world. Beginning of birth pains have been, have been released, I believe that. And the church now be considered in many ways non-essential and most churches are running less than 25% capacity. Oh, Lord, help us if we have another greater pandemic where we go below the 25% mark. And that might cause many to be alarmed and even fearful of the future. We might say it's going to be a dark future ahead for the church and the Christian and saints of God. And so one can easily lose hope and lose their way. And you better have a strong foundation if things get harder. People are becoming depressed. And many are running around confused and anxiety is higher than it ever been, I think, ever. We hear of this all the time. And more and more people are going to therapists, right? I, I don't know why. Maybe it's a, it's a sign of the times. I don't know. Maybe they lost hope. Maybe they lost hope and faith in God. I'm not sure why that, the increase. Maybe it's just the, the chic thing to do these days. I'm a therapist. I, I don't know. We hear it all the time. But I know this for sure, regardless. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a therapist. Hopefully it's a Christian therapist. Hopefully they're going to give you, feed you words 
that are righteous and good. But one thing I know for sure, my Redeemer lives. One thing I know for sure is the Lord is reminding his people, I got your back, people. I got your back. He says, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't abandoned you. I have good, good plans for you. They're good plans. I, I've begun a good work in you, right? A good work for you, right? And, I, and I, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to help you. And we're going to get through this together. Trust me. Look to me. Follow me. Put your faith in me. Hallelujah. And while we know that this portion of scripture was speaking to Israel, that were exiled, I believe he's also speaking to us today. His people grafted into the vine. He loves us greatly. His words didn't just stop in the Old Testament. It didn't just stop in the Old Testament. His, it's the living word. It lives on. Right? And these words are, are, were not just for them yesterday, but they're for us today. They're living and active. It gets deep into your bones and your marrow. Hallelujah. He's the living God. He's the God who doesn't change. And I believe that we can hold on to every one of his promises. Just like the Lord is saying to Israel, I am your hope. And I will bring good out of this bad situation that you find yourself in. Out of the hardship. I believe that he's also saying to something to us today. I am your hope. I am your help. I am your refuge. Your strong, strong tower, right? Especially during hard times. Church, he has plans for us, and they're good. He sees a future for us, and they're good. He sees way further down the road for us, and they are good. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to them, right? We are going to see growth. We are going to see miracles. We're going to see hearts transformed by the power of God. And we need to start believing it, and we need to start confessing it, and we need to start walking in the authority of God. Wherever we go, walk in that authority and believe for greater things to come. Don't look at your problems and situations and say, my God is my hope, and he's a living Savior who's alive and he's resurrected, and he loves you and he wants to give you more. He wants to give you an abundant life. He wants to bless you with every spiritual blessing. Hallelujah. Even now, even now I believe that we're seeing a, a great move of God. He's touched, I hear it. I hear what's happening, I see it. And we're starting to see it come out more and more. God is already starting to increase. God is already starting to touch hearts and lives. Thank you for your faithfulness, church. Your sacrifice, your love, your willing heart. Keep it up, keep it up, keep serving. Keep following, right? Keep doing what he called you to do. And I believe as we remain faithful and continue to enter his presence, he will be our peace. He will be our rest. He will be our good shepherd. He will be our hope. Our hope is in the Lord. Jesus is our living hope. And here's some other scriptures that you might want to write down. Psalms 33, 18 says, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope is in his unfailing love. His unfailing love. Psalms 130. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his words I put my hope. Romans 5, verses 2 to 5, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Whom he has given us. Romans 15 verse 13 says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need so much more of the Holy Spirit run activating in our life. We have him in our life. We need to activate him and, and let him live through us. Jesus is our hope, our living hope. And so he's our eternal hope. Jesus is our eternal hope. Titus 1 speaks of this hope of eternal life, which God does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. So Jesus is our eternal life, and he wants to give us eternal life to those who have received him, to those who believe in his virgin birth and his death upon a cross and his resurrection, to those who are born again believers have eternal life. But many do not have this hope. Many do not have this hope. Many are in the absence of hope. And so there's fear, and there's no peace, and there's no rest, and they don't have a bright future because they don't have no hope. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people are lost, the people perish. And when you turn your back on Jesus, there are no restraints. You no longer receive his word or his revelation, and so it eventually leads to sickness and death and hardship and decay. But you have eternal life in Christ Jesus when you receive Jesus Christ. And then you call upon me. Then you call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen. Then you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. In Romans 10, 13, I always say that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Speak to him from your heart. I'm a sinner, Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Repent for your sins, right? Align with Jesus Christ. You, have, you need to put your confidence in Him. And verse 9 and 10 of that says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and one is saved. Speak to Him from your heart. Repent to Him from your heart. Ask Him. Invite Him into your life. Hallelujah. Not only will you have eternal hope through salvation in Jesus Christ, a forever relationship with Jesus Christ, but he will be your blessed hope. So let me quickly explain the blessed hope. We're going to draw this message to a close in two minutes, whatever the worship team can work their way up, or maybe sooner. Jesus is our blessed hope. Jesus is our blessed hope, which simply means that Jesus is returning for his saints, for those who are saved and set free from the bondages of sin. If you're saved, then Satan no longer has a hold on your life. Stop, stop giving him so much more credit. He doesn't have a hold on your life. You no longer live for him or follow his ways. You now live for Jesus and follow his ways. So our blessed hope is that he's coming back for his children and his saints, and he will eventually set up his kingdom on earth. And so we teach that in this church, that our blessed hope in Christ Jesus is that he's coming back and returning very soon for his saints. This is the rapturing of the saints of God. And I, call, I personally call it the takeoff. And we will have a meeting in the air. We will take off and have a meeting in the air. First Thessalonians 4 explains this. Chapter 4 explains this. Verses 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, those who are still alive and left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. This is our blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. For he's coming back and soon he's coming back. Right? We need to place our hope and trust in him and him alone. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then some, and then sometime later, he's going to come back to set up his kingdom. And this is where he actually touches down. 
on the Mount of Olives and we call this the second coming of Christ. Now this confuses some people and I get that, right? So the way I teach it, I kind of teach it with two phases. I, 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 they are definitely different events, but I teach it as two phases and the Lord is not constrained by our time. One day is like a thousand, right? And it can happen in a moment of time. It can happen over time. But this first phase is the meeting in the air. It's the takeoff. Our blessed hope is where the Lord removes the saints of God and the believers from the planet Earth. And they will go to heaven and they will have a great time in heaven. There's going to be a great feast upon your arrival for saints of God. A great party in heaven is going to take, is going to take place. It's going to be so amazing, right? Um, you, don't want to be, you don't want to miss that. He is our blessed hope. He is our blessed hope. The second phase of the touch is going to be the touchdown, Mount of Olives, where he actually comes back to earth with his saints. He removes the unbelievers from earth in a sense. There's going to be judgment on earth. Non-believers, wickedness on earth. So, so simply put it this way, the, the, the rapture is the removing of saints from the earth. And second coming is going to be the removing of the wicked and sinful people eventually on earth. And between, smack in between those two events is going to be the tribulation on earth. A seven-year period of time on earth like no other in history. Now, denominations and and different churches teach this differently in different timelines. Look, I don't want to divide over it. I'm telling you what we teach about. I don't want to divide over it. It's not a salvation issue. So just relax those who are listening and saying, I don't know. Yeah, I hear it all the time. It drives me crazy. Listen, let's not divide over it. We can still fellowship. We still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This church teaches the rapture prior to tribulation. I think it's going to be the worst of times on earth. Nothing compares to it. Nothing will compare to it. Nothing. Right? Nobody has ever experienced. No matter how bad it was, they didn't experience. Living through the worst war? Nope. This is going to be worse. The worst poverty that you ever lived through, ever seen? Nope. This is going to be worse. Right? And so I don't teach that believers are going to go through that time on earth, which is a time of judgment and wrath. Judgment and wrath. I believe he removes his people with, from wrath. He, from his wrath. He removes them from his wrath. And we see that in scripture. He removed, he removed the, the people during the great flood. He removed his people during the Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we already see this pattern being developed here on earth. Judgment. They're, they're being removed from that judgment and wrath on earth. Yet will there be walls and rumors and of walls and that? Will that continue? Yes, of course. Will we have trials and testing on earth? Yes, of course. Persecution? Yes. Of course, tribulations? Yes, of course. This is the great tribulation. This is a seven-year tribulation. And churches today and Christians are being shut down and abused and persecuted. Yes, this is going to happen, church. Awake. Awaken and understand that. But the seven-year period of tribulation is wrath. Never experienced before. And never will be experienced after. And I don't believe that the saints of God are going to be, be faced with the wrath of God on earth during that time. So we have a blessed hope. It's not escapism. We have a blessed hope that he will snatch his bride away, the church. And he will bring us then to his father's house for a time of rejoicing. And it will happen. And we are to eagerly await for the soon arrival of Jesus Christ. This is our blessed hope. Time doesn't allow me today to get into this more. But just give me another moment or two. You don't want to be left behind. Oh, this is scary, Pastor. Yes, it is. Be fearful and shake in your boots. You don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be here for that tribulation time. The, the seven-year period. A specific time. But our focus should be on Jesus today and doing his will today. 
Our focus should be on, on our relationships with, with others and our relationship with Him, regardless of what we're going through. And so we can have eternal life and hope in Him today, which leads to our blessed hope. But again, it first starts with Jesus by placing your trust in God and living for Him today. And then once you're saved, born again, and you repented for your sins and said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, then regardless of life or death or living through a tribulation or not, we can know that all is well with my soul. And our future will be bright. And His plans will go forth. And His purpose, which He has for us, which is good and bright, will come to be because He hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't for forgotten us. He hasn't abandoned us. And no matter what we see with our natural eyes, we know that Jesus is our hope. And that hope the world doesn't have and the world desperately needs. The world needs more of Jesus. He is the hope of our world. And so be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and continue to be faithful in prayer. Jesus is our hope today, tomorrow, and in our future forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing this song and reflect on this message? Hallelujah. He is our living hope. Let's sing that again this morning together.
not only in our individual heart, our church, our towns, and homes. We give you all the glory, yes. honor, and praise because you're a good, good father. Bless us now as we go in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed week. We love you all. Bye now.